Good morning. How's everyone today? All right. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your day of worship and rest. Thank you for a time to be together and worship you, hear from your word, spend time with one another. Pray that you would bless uh, me as I preach and give grace to the words of my mouth. And we pray that you would be with everyone who hears and that this would be useful to them and that you would make yourself known to us through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This is number four in, what is this series? Faith of Our Fathers. It's about our fathers in the faith. It's about the faith that they had. It's about the men and women of the Bible, the big stories of the Old Testament and what they're supposed to teach us about who we are. So today we're going to talk about Isaac. Isaac is part two of a trilogy. There are a lot of famous trilogies. Star Wars, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Aladdin, Aladdin 2, Return of Jafar, Aladdin 3, The King of Thieves. Some trilogies are not very good. Um, but this is a good trilogy. This is Abraham, and part two is Isaac. Part three is Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How often in the Bible does God say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? A lot, right? A lot. It's because these three guys, you know, father, son, grandson, they're at the headwaters. They're at the start of God's people. Jacob is going to have 12 sons. They'll be the 12 tribes of Israel. But that's the story for another week. Next week, I think. So they're important. Um, and today, we actually, if we want to talk about Isaac and understand who he was, we have to go back to Abraham, which Nathan talked about two weeks ago. Uh, you ever heard someone say that you should be a human being, not a human doing, right? You have to be a human. That's one of those statements that I find really annoying. Now, it, it, it can have some good meaning, but the problem with that one, it's kind of like, let go and let God, right? What does that even mean? Well, it, it means like 10 different things to 10 different people. And eight or nine of those things are bad or unhelpful. That's the problem. It could mean anything, right? Uh, but in this case, I, I just want to go ahead and say, Isaac, the story that we have, the way that God tells it, he's a little more of a human being than a human doing. I was, I was toying with using the word passive. My wife was like, why would you do that? If you say he was passive, people are going to think he was passive, like a passive dude. We don't need more of those. That's bad. Okay, that's true. So Isaac wasn't passive. That's not what I mean. He was active. He had an active faith. He lived a life of faith. He was, he was a real man. But, well, even so, even so, his story is much more about who he is, and that's what he has to teach us. Our faith is first about who we are. Before, it's about what we do. It's about who we are. And so, who are you? To answer that question, let's, let's answer, who is Isaac? So you remember, God promised Abraham descendants. They'd be more than the stars of the sky or the sands of the sea, you know. There'd be a lot of them. And Abraham didn't have even one son when God promised him. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren. She couldn't have any kids. So they waited. They waited on God's promises, and Sarah got tired of waiting. And she said to Abraham, I have a maidservant named Hagar. And that's one of those Bible words, whenever you see it. 
maid, servant, bond servant, what you should think is slave, right? Okay, we're talking a female slave. You sleep with Hagar, maybe we'll have a son through Hagar, and then that will be our son, and that will be the son of the promise. There we go, God's promises. Solved, right? <laughs> well, Abraham did it. They got a son. Son's name was Ishmael. And then Sarah was super unhappy. <laughs> suddenly she has this uppity maidservant who has a son with her husband that she doesn't have. Okay, things have gone really bad. It's a nasty situation. It's a mess. It's not good for anyone. But Sarah and Abraham had decided they would tell God's story their way. They'd make it happen. That's what they, that's what they wanted. They would make the promises come true. Mm, name it and claim it on my terms. It doesn't work. So have you kids ever tried to make your parents give you something? Like you want to watch a movie? Maybe you're really clever and you're like, it'd be, it'd be fun, you know. Uh, Peter's like, Lucy was talking about watching uh, the new Marvel movie, and that might be fun. I don't know if Peter <laughs> has ever done this, but parents are like, no, we're not watching a movie tonight. And then you have to progress to the next level. Well, I really, I would really like to watch a movie tonight. Could we watch a movie tonight? Maybe you wait an hour and then you ask again. Your parents are like, no, this, we're not watching a movie tonight. And then you activate the nuclear option, level three. You start whining. <laughs> that always goes so well but I want to watch it. <laughs> you know, I want another helping of ice cream. I want it. <laughs> now, does that make your parents want to give it to you more or less? <gasps> less. Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, I used to do this kind of thing. I'd get in trouble, and my parents would be like, nope, not tonight, and not for a while, but especially because you whined. Like, we're not going to let you control us. Now, sometimes I know parents, you give in to whining, but you shouldn't. But usually, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. God said to Abraham and Sarah, nope, uh, Ishmael, not the son that I promised you. I'm uh, not going to give him my special covenant promises. He's not getting them. It's not through his kids and their kids that I'm going to bless the whole earth and bring the Savior of the world. I'm not going to do it. And he will not have the blessing of a special spiritual relationship with me, just because you tried to make my promises happen. No, not, not going to. Now, because he's your son, Abraham, I'll make him the father of great nations. But the special blessings, the ones that lead to Jesus, no. So Abraham and Sarah thought they could tell God's story their way, and it didn't work because God is not interested in that. God is the storyteller, and we're part of the story, but we don't write the story. We don't control the story. And you can't manipulate God. You can't whine and make him do what you want. You can't, you can't do what Abraham and Sarah did. You can pray to God. You can call out to God. You can wrestle with God. That's a part of Jacob's story. You can tell God, I'm angry. I'm hurt. I don't know what I, why I'm waiting. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why. But you can't make God tell his story your way. It won't work. So Abraham waited some more. <laughs> he waited some more. God told him again when he was 99 years old, Abraham, I just want to remind you, you're going to have a son. And at this point, Abraham laughs. That's what the Bible says. He laughs. 
And right after Abraham laughs, God says, by the way, you're going to name your son Isaac. Isaac is my son's middle name. Who knows what Isaac means? Anyone know what it means? It means he laughs. God's like, yep, okay, you, you laugh. His name is going to be he laughs. Uh, and next year, next year you're going to have a son. He, God shows up again. He shows up again and talks to Abraham again. Next year, Sarah's going to have a son. This time, Sarah's listening. She's like hiding in the tent and listening. That's what it says. And this time, she laughs. This part I'll read, Genesis 18, 12 to 15. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. I love that story. I love it. Fast forward a year. God's promise comes true. Genesis 21, 1-7, The Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah, as he had promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So you get it, right? This time, Sarah's in on the joke. She's laughing with God. She's laughing with God. Whenever we're tempted to laugh at God and his promises, because they're just too good to be true, or they're just too impossible to be true, joke's on us. The joke's on you and the joke's on me. God has the last laugh. This is Isaac. This is, he laughs. So this is God's story told God's way. It's about God. The whole Bible is God's story told God's way. Our lives are God's story. They're told God's way. And history is God's story told God's way. Isaac only exists. This is the thing that Isaac's story is about. He only exists because there is a God who says, I will save. There's a God who says, I will make the promise. Now I'm going to keep the promise. God's word always comes true. He's in control. We're not. But we sure want to be. We want to be in control. I mean, if you're like me, you want to think you're in control. So even though every day things happen to us that very clearly show us, oops, you're not in control. For instance, did you stub your toe this week? I want to see a show of hands. Did anyone? No one? Oh, okay. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, sometimes I stub my toe in my house. I know the dangerous chairs or bed legs or whatever. It shouldn't happen, but sometimes it does. Just minding my own business, do I have to watch my toes all the time? Right? Whack! I'm not in control. That's how it feels. Uh, you're just you're going along on the Lloyd. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. But some of you have gotten speeding tickets on the Lloyd. Just statistically, there's enough people here. It's happened. You're going along. You're playing the odds. I mean, who really gets pulled over on the Lloyd? Not that many people, right? So you're playing the odds. You know what you're doing. I didn't see that cop. 
boom, speeding tickets, you're not in control. Um, my, my little boy started twisting and turning on the changing pad just in the past week and a half when I'm trying to get the diaper on him. It's infuriating. He's, he's pretty strong. He'll turn, he'll grab something, he'll like grab the wipes and swing them around, and he and I start having this little battle. And he's going to lose. He's going to lose, right? And I'm just like, no. And I'm putting his shoulders back down. And what, what happens? What does he do? Oh, he starts wailing. Is he sad? Oh, no, he's not sad. <laughs> he's angry. <laughs> he can't stand it. His face gets red. I'm in control. Let me be in control. No. Right? We all want to be in control. Little babies want to be in control. You want to be in control every day. This is a little stinker. He doesn't like it. And no one wants to feel like they're at the mercy of a chair, you know, or the cop who pulled you over. No one wants to feel that way. So we try to forget it. Maybe someone here is thinking, well, mostly talking about carelessness. Like if you did a better job speeding, you wouldn't get caught. I don't get caught. I don't stub my toe either. I must just be more careful than you. Okay, all right. Well, what about, what about drunk drivers? Well, what about stoplights? What about cancer? What about, what about death? I mean, sooner or later, death is going to come for all of us. It's going to be the ultimate demonstration that we're not in control. I mean, many of you have had recently had people die that you loved. And maybe you kind of expected it. But you didn't know. You didn't know when it would happen. You didn't know, and they didn't know. At some point, if people get on hospice, the doctor's like, I think, maybe a week. Oh, we can make some kinds of predictions. But who knew a year ago they'd be on hospice? Who knew a year ago? No one. No one. None of us writes our own story. We're not in control. Our lives are in the hands of the storyteller. We're his creatures. So, if you're like me, you just do your best to forget about stuff like that. You forget that you stubbed your toe. It's kind of humiliating. You forget about the speeding ticket. Maybe you even forget about the death. Sometimes we do, even of people that we dearly love. But maybe not. Maybe the grief stays in your heart, not to crush you, but to remind you day after day and year after year to look to God. Because there's only one God who will save you from death. You can't save yourself. There's only one God who gives you a hope for life after death. Look, Abraham and Sarah, they learned their lesson. I really think that they learned their lesson. They learned, okay, it's not us. We don't just get to do what we want and make God do what we want. Isaac was the lesson. Here he is, a miracle child. From the beginning, from before his birth, Isaac was the miracle child. He's the son of promise. He existed because God made a promise and kept it, and he's the one who's going to get all the promises, the special promises God had made. That's Isaac. God said, I'll make him happen. I'll make a child happen. So think about Isaac for a second. He would grow up knowing this, right? My life came from God. I am a miracle child. My parents were too old to have me, shouldn't have had me. And I exist because God is doing a thing. Like he's going he's gonna to bring some great thing through me and my kids. That's why I exist, 
he would have heard all about this from his mom and dad. But you know, you might think like if you were the chosen one, if you were the miracle child, you'd get a big head, get all proud and stuck up like being Harry Potter. <laughs> you know, um, everyone looks at you funny and they're like, they're talking about your destiny, right? Oh, what's he going to do? And you're like, I'm pretty great. I'm the chosen one. I'm the miracle child. Does that really make sense? If you get a big head with God, haven't you turned things upside down? Because if God's the one who brought you into the world, who should get more glory, you or God? If God makes you great and he gives you a special destiny in history, who should get more glory, you or God? Probably, probably God. Definitely God. Definitely God. Any kid here ever wished you could be like a superhero? <laughs> Oh, come on, I know you have. You, some of you adults too, big kids. I know you have. Have you ever, did you ever wish, you're like, man, I, I wish I could be president someday. Maybe I could be president someday. I wonder if that could work out. I used to think that way. I was like, maybe I should think about being president one day. Remember this as a little kid. We're working on it. We're, actually, we're not. <laughs> we're not working on it. But, come on, you know that you've always wanted to do something awesome, like... I don't know, cure cancer, maybe. I didn't think about that kind of thing. I was more like, what if I saved the girl I had a crush on from a burning building? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. And everyone would look at me, <laughs> they'd be like, you're awesome. <laughs> you know that you want that. So let's say that God gave that to you and you had this, this moment. You saved the girl that you like from a burning building. Wow, everyone's like, you're amazing. The girl's like, I'll go on a date with you. <laughs> you're like... My parents aren't going to let me. I'm too young. But later, <laughs> let's say, who gets credit? I mean, you get some credit, but ultimately, who gets credit? Did you just become that on your own, really? That's not what the Bible teaches. That stuff comes from God. If you get to be the hero of the story, it's because God made you the hero. So God should get the credit. He should get the glory. And I think if Isaac was tempted to grow up with a big head, like, I'm so awesome. Well, I don't think he did, but I think the, the next big thing to happen to him would have sort of stopped that in its tracks. This is the longest passage I'm going to read today. But just bear with it. This is, you know this story. This is Genesis 22, 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. D did you notice what God said? Your only son, Isaac. Okay, was Isaac Abraham's only son? No. There's this other son, remember, called Ishmael? But actually, and, and then, uh, by the way, after Sarah dies... Abraham takes another wife and has more sons. But, but, in God's eyes, how many sons does Abraham have? Only one. Only one. Because that's the son of the promise. That's God's son, right? Only one. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering. And arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, his servants, Stay here with the donkey. 
I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. One thing we should make a note of, and I I think Nathan did too when he preached on Abraham, is who else is going to come along to go to be sacrificed carrying wood on his back? It's Jesus. What's the wood that Jesus is going to carry? His cross. His cross. Isaac is acting out what Jesus will do. Isaac is a shadow. He's a type of Christ. The one other thing, I, I was reading about how old people think Isaac was when this happened. I always think of him as a little kid. Maybe you do too, right? I don't know, I don't know how you think of him, but that's how I grew up thinking of him. He's just this little kid. Maybe he's like eight. Um, Abraham puts the wood on his back. How much wood does it take to start a big fire? You've got to burn up the sacrifice after you kill it. Can an eight-year-old carry like a whole huge thing of logs and wood? Isaac is not a little kid. Isaac, there's the estimates I saw are anywhere, anywhere from like late teenager to 33, <laughs> right? But let's just say he's, he's in late teenager. Makes sense. His dad's past 100, way past 100. He's the one carrying this big load of wood, right? Going with his, his old dad up to the mountain. So Isaac is not... Isaac could run away. Remember that. At any point in this story, Isaac is a big guy, like strong enough to carry the wood, strong enough to not let his father do what he's about to do. But he doesn't. Tells you something about Isaac, I think. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Well, you know Abraham learned the lesson. God's in control. What he asks is impossible. What he asks is too hard. It's too much. I can't do it. I can't kill my only son. In Hebrews, it says that Abraham, it tells us what Abraham was thinking. It says he thought he would get Isaac back by resurrection. He he knew God could raise the dead. Abraham was so, so, so trusted God that God was good, that God's promises would come true that he was willing to do something that seemed impossible. It seemed like it would be the opposite of fulfilling God's promises. Before this, he was willing to try and have a son and make the promises come true on his own terms. Now he's so submitted to God that he's like, even if it looks like 
this would just destroy the promises, I'm still going to do it. That's how much I trust God. And how do you think Isaac felt about this? Have you ever thought about how Isaac felt? <laughs> I've been thinking about that this week. I mean, you know he was confused. You heard him ask, where's the lamb? <laughs> like, I know how this kind of thing works, and there's an ingredient missing. Where is it? What was he thinking when his dad is like, son, I'm going to have to tie you up now. I mean, I don't th- how, do you think he ever forgot this moment? He was a marked man after this. You don't forget something like this. You don't walk away from it the same person. I don't think you do. And here's what I think he saw right then. As he saw the knife in his dad's hand, he was like, this is happening. He's like, I am not number one. I thought I'm not the star of the story. I mean, I'm the miracle child and stuff, but I'm not the star. I'm not the center. My dad doesn't love me the most. He loves God the most. God is the star. God's the most important one. It's not me. If I ever thought it was me before, looking at that knife, it's not me. I think he kept that. I think he kept that with him in his heart. I mean, how could you not? And Isaac, Isaac knew, I know he knew this because of the way his story goes on, he knew God was good. Isaac trusted God. He thought God had a right to his life. (laughs) How many of us really feel that way? God made my life. Even if I'm the miracle child, he made it. God can take it away. Do we think of our lives that way? You think of your life that way? God has a right to do as he pleases with your life or the lives of your kids. Do your kids know that they're not the center of the universe? Do they know that you love God more than you love them? So Isaac, Isaac took that. I mean, God blessed Isaac. God blessed his life. What's the rest of the story? Well, Isaac inherited the promises. He grew up. He got rich. He married this woman named Rebecca. It's a really cool marriage story. It's really fun. Abraham sends a servant to find a wife, finds Rebecca. They have two sons named Jacob and Esau. You're going to hear about those next week. Only one of them gets the promises. But it's not the one that, it's not the one they expected. What a shock. God's like, I'm telling the story my way. My way. So Isaac lives a long life. He's rich. He repeats some of his dad's sins, but he trusts God. He lives for God. He inherits the promises. He passes the promises on to his son Jacob. All right. Well, the most exciting parts of Isaac's story are not what he does. It's the stuff that happens to him, like being born. Like, almost getting sacrificed. That's the exciting stuff. And that's why when the New Testament talks about Isaac, it doesn't talk about be a man of action, like Isaac. Because that's not really Isaac's story. The New Testament is like, no, be a child of promise, like Isaac. Be a child of promise. It talks about how if we're Christians, if we're real Christians, we are children of promise. We're like Isaac. How does that work? Romans 9, 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul says, But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. Right? Think of Ishmael, his offspring of Abraham. But they're not the children of Abraham. 
But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Again, Galatians 4.28. Paul says, Now you, brothers like Isaac, are children of promise. So what does he think we should learn from Isaac? In context, he's warning the church against trying to control the story of their salvation. How would we do that? (laughs) We can't control traffic lights or stubbing toes. How do we try to control the story of our salvation? Make sure that we get things done, we get saved the way that we want. We have lots of ways. I mean, we have lots of ways of doing it. We try it all the time. We're always tempted to do this. I mean, just like, we're just like kids who think that whining is a good way to force their parents to give them more ice cream. <laughs> we're just like that. And we're like, well, here's a, here's a popular version, just around. Uh, I mean, I'm good enough. I try. I have good intentions. I think, I think that a God who is good would recognize that I have good intentions. And if I didn't do all the right things, I mean, he'll forgive me. It's like his job to forgive me. I mean, I'm trying. So, good enough. Good enough. I mean, I think I'm a good person. Good enough for God. All right, all right. Well, that's a little more pagan. Maybe we're not that pagan. Maybe we're more like, I just want to add a little something. Just a little something. I mean, here I am. You say you're going to do it all. You say I've got to be like Isaac, a child of promise. Isaac couldn't control when he was born. He couldn't control when he was die. When he would die. I don't want to be like that. I want to just... Like if I just add a little bit of what I bring to the table, you know, in terms of goodness, God sees that and God's like, I have to save you now. You did some good stuff. I have to. Or we're like, well, I said the sinner's prayer when I was five. Or my son, my daughter, they said it when they were like six. They're good. They're good. It's like magic. You say the sinner's prayer. Oh, you got God now. Got him, right? He can't can't do anything now. Or you're like, I take the Lord's Supper. It's like magic. I take the Lord's Supper. Saved. God can't do anything now. I mean, I did the religious stuff. that he's, It's like magic. God says, no. God says, I'm going to say how you get saved. How about that? I'm going to set the terms. I'm going to set the terms. And if you want to be my son or my daughter, here's how it works. You have to be a child of the promise. It's supposed to go like this. God makes the promise and we say, I trust you. God sends Jesus and he says, you should trust Jesus. This is my son. And we say, I trust Jesus. We say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Help. And God says, okay. And we say, thank you. That's how it goes. That leaves us feeling a little bit helpless, though. It leaves us feeling a little bit like we're not in control of the process. We don't like that. I don't like it. You don't like it. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Again, think Ishmael, the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Just like Isaac, right? Born of the will of God. How can you be born of God? Scripture says it's called being born again. So you didn't have a miracle birth like Isaac. You weren't like 
wasn't prophesied that you would appear, that I would appear. No one appeared to my, my mom and dad and said, in a year, you know, you're going to have a son. Nope. No, we don't have that. Uh, could you go back into your mother's womb and be born again? Someone famously asked Jesus. No. But you can be born again through the power of God. And you have to be. You have to be born again. And God's going to get all the credit for it. God's going to get all the credit for it. You're going to say to God, I want to be new. I want to be your child. And God's going to say, you have faith? You can be my child. You can be my child. You say, oh, it's a good thing that I am special and I had faith. It's a good thing. And then God says, actually, um, even your faith, it comes from me. Even that's a gift. Even that's a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says that God gives the gift of faith. Faith. Even faith. It comes from the author of the story. Who likes that? Raise your hand. No one's going to raise their hand. If you do, I won't believe you. No one likes the idea that their faith comes from God. At least let me be in control of faith. God's like, I told you I'm the author of the story. I told you I'm the author of the story. God is constantly humbling us. <laughs> He's not going to let us be the main event. He's going to be the main event. And you've got to be cool with that if you want to be a child of God. And you got to like it. you got to actually like it. you got to like that God is the main event. It's got to make you happy. It doesn't always make me happy. And I know that you guys are like me. But it's got to make you happy. God is great. We're not. God is great. And God is kind to us. And that's what makes Isaac so great. He's great because he's not that great. <laughs> he's great because he shows us that God is great. That's what makes him great. Years ago, a Christian friend asked me, or, well, he, he asked me this question that was, I really didn't like. It was a long time ago, and he was just, in his opinion, clearly, my life did not exactly show that I, that I was a child of promise. <laughs> Let's just say. And he was, I think he just saw that I was insecure and weak and, you know, not, just not the greatest witness of who God was. I think we were doing like a Bible study together on campus and he was like, so he asked me this question. It was like, you know, do you know who you are, Ben? Do you know who you are? I was just like, I did not like that question. Like, who wants to be asked, like, why, why do you have to ask me if I know who I am in Jesus? If I know who I am as a Christian? Don't ask me that. Plus, this guy wasn't even that strong a Christian himself at the time. I mean, I didn't think he was. <laughs> but here he is. He's asking me, do you know who you are? He did me a service. He did, me, he did, he did a good thing for me. <laughs> because I did have to think about that a little. Do I know who I am? Do I act like I know who I am? Do I act like God's in charge and he saved me and I can be happy about that? Do I act like I'm just this kind of religious guy, I'm kind of doing the best I can? I don't know. I don't know that I'm really all in on who God is and what he is to me and that I'm all that excited about that. Who am I? How about you? Do you know who you are? You want to be the star of the story to make you mad that you think you can't be. And you can't be. Does it make you mad that you can't bring anything to God except, okay, save me, I trust you, I want to be your child. <laughs> I'm going to be pushed out of the spotlight, but that's okay. 
That's okay. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for Isaac's life. Thank you for his trust in you. Thank you that he, had, he did have faith. Thank you for giving him faith. And we ask that you would give us faith to trust you, to love you, to glorify and honor you, to show other people that we think you're the star. You're the main event. You're the storyteller. You're the great one. Um, we want to love you. We want to know you. And we pray that you would bring this about in Jesus' name. Amen.